Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and guy who didn't know it was a crime to jerk off in the woods. Well, to be clear, I did, but my name is Alex Dandino. I don't know that the movie settles that that is or is not a crime as long as people aren't around. We'll I gotta go to Korea sometime and see what the deal is. <laughs> All right, before today's final episode of the year, we're very excited. A little business. Everyone, we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pod. If you want to help support this show, that's the way to do it. If you want to help us grow the show, that's the way to do it. If you want the show to be more kick-ass for you, that's the way to do it. We have a huge Patreon-exclusive library. Our patrons get a voice in what goes in there every month. Uh, we have commentaries, mini series. You can even have program a double feature specifically for us. This month of December, today's movie, especially, programmed by the listeners. One of our listeners selected uh, Memories of a Murder, today's movie. It went into the Tumblr, came out as a movie uh, for this schedule. So that's one of the other benefits of Patreon, is helping uh, have authorship over the movies we cover on the show. So if you can, if you'd be so kind at the end of this year, if you liked what we've been working on, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. The YouTube Film Alchemist. The email filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials, I think. Uh, find us there. We love to hear from you. Email us, all that good stuff. Make sure you're leaving five-star ratings and reviews. And if you want to give us a little extra gift here at the end of the year, as a, a thank you for all the work. Thank you for all the fun and the the yucks that we've shared. That's right. You want to help us out a little more, go to MisfitParade.net and sign up over there so you can start seeing the the short content that we are working on, our short films, possibly bigger film on the way. So go over to MisfitParade.net, check it out. All right, I'm weak. It's the end of the year. I've been around disgusting kids. So pardon if my voice is scratchy, um, fighting off all kinds of ailments. Yep. As soon as I have time off, my kids and nature decide they're going to conspire against me to take me down. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? I just hear a sad song on the radio. It's raining. I'm like, oh, no, I'm wearing red. And Mother Nature comes for me. Mm -hmm. This is how it goes. That's exactly how Uh, it works. Today's episode. Alex, do we have off our hand uh, who chose this episode? Yes. Crystal. 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 Nice. Hey, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you um, I don't know that we, I think the only other one that I might have forgotten to say who picked it was Chung King Express. No, we did that. No, we did that. But yeah, so we've got two awesome uh, selections coming to us from Asia this month. So today, Crystal has selected one of our dear friends and patrons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the support. Obliged. Has selected Memories of a Murder. Memories uh, of this, Murder. Memories of Murder, not a murder. There's a lot of murder. There's a lot of murder. This is murder Yeah, murder, overall. plural. Right? Like how you see a flock of deer. Song Kang Ho can literally remember murders. Murder in general. Yes, that's true. Uh, this is a Bong Joon Ho joint long mm-hmm. before his parasite fame. Um, I saw our friend Lobo actually posted this, and it's pretty funny. He said it's crazy to him that Bong Joon Ho dropped his masterpiece 16 years before Parasite. I remember seeing parasite in the theater and being pretty floored by it right i gave that a five out of five i don't know that i've seen it since i saw it in that run up to the oscar Mm -hmm. i watched this one in the first time for some reason i only gave it a three i watched it back today and i was like this movie is fucking damn near perfect i don't know why i didn't latch on to it the first time there's no resolution we never know that might have been something that stuck in my craw i'll say this though I almost never go back and give a movie a five star if it doesn't get it that first time. And a lot of five stars, if I watch them again, I'm like, man, I'll drop one or a half star, right? The five star to me is like that magical movie experience that you leave the theater and you're just like fucking floating, right? I feel like if I had seen this one in theaters, this might have been a fucking five star. I think this might be, I think I might like this movie better than Parasite. I'm going to throw it out there. This movie is fucking crushing on multiple, multiple levels. Alex, opening thoughts on memories of murder, plural. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think we talk a lot about, again, I, Korean filmmakers are just unbelievable. 
I, I've again, I just it's, they just do incredible things that American audiences are never prepared for, and then when we see them, we're like, "Whoa, how they do it!" It's like because they thought outside themselves. This is really good. Like, it's like I, I, it's not just a cultural thing. I just think the Korean filmmakers just have. There's just like there's a real moment right now too. A lot of Korean yeah. movies making it over and being really like, found and discovered. Obviously, and loved, so that's great. Bong Joon Ho and Park Chan Wok are the two guys that I think of immediately who are just unbelievable. And this, they do not. It's it's one of those things where as is like just when you love world cinema and you discover Korean filmmaking, there's just something about it that's just so unbelievable to me. It it is. There's like a passion that runs through it, mm-hmm. especially Bong Joon Ho's movies. Like I gotta say, like Bong Joon Ho particularly, there's just this weird passion that runs through it that is just undeniable. And I'm not saying that filmmakers make their movies with like that are passionless, but Bong Joon Ho makes those fucking movies, there, dude. Well, we talked about this. The number one sin of filmmaking to me is that I can tell that this was a check movie. You can tell immediately when the people making this movie, even if they're doing their best work, they're giving it their 110% maximum effort yeah. to make it the best movie possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but you can see through you the just, screen, through all of the work, you can fucking see that this was not like a, a passion no. project. Right? Well, this is, I think, I think this was his second movie. And after... we were below the line workers for a long time. long time. So I get, you could make the argument fairly that every movie is just a check movie. True. But there was some stuff we worked on where you're like, I want this one to be better. I believe in someone on this, you know, like, well, this goes, but to... I feel like you can see that passion. Yeah. I think that goes that so goes, clearly. That goes to a whole other, <laughs> it goes to a whole other ethos, especially when you're below the line person. But I do think that there is just some other flavor that particularly Bong Joon-ho has that just, it is, it's, un, I, I can't, I can't describe it. And I think that's what I love about Bong Joon-ho movies is I have absolutely no description for it. I just watch these movies and I'm fucking floored every time. And Mirror mm-hmm. of Murder, which I think was his second movie, are is no different. Like, it, it's... It is unbelievable. Like, I mean, it's it is like I, I rarely, I, I rarely, uh, I love Lobo, but his like verbosity sometimes on the internet is hilarious. Love you, Lobo, but I gotta, t- but I gotta say, you are right. This is a masterpiece, absolutely. Well, Lobo's the little boy that cried five stars. Let's put it that way. And that's not a sin against we, him. We He's lo- a man who you, fucking we do love you. Loves movies, and he, as a filmmaker, he appreciates the miracle that it is that movies get made at all. Exactly. Right? He's right on this one. This is, no, no, this is an inc- dead on. This movie is 100%. fucking gorgeous. The acting is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It manages to be a political indictment. It manages to be shockingly funny. Yeah. And then there are Weirdly scenes where funny. they just fucking drop like earth shattering horror upon your head. Mm-hmm. It's, it's again it's, it's actually incredible how many tight ropes it's able to balance on at one time and not kind of because because when you make movies like this right it feels like the other starts to consume mm-hmm. it starts it's so funny i just rewatched that um nightmare on elm street mega documentary never sleep again yeah yeah because maybe at misfit parade we're rolling around an idea of doing a freddie fan film this idea that i came up with neither here nor there but they talked about because my kids were kind of coming in and out, and they're like, what's the worst Freddy movie? And I was like, that's easy. By a landslide, it's Freddy's dead. Like, that movie is fucking hot dog shit <laughs> across the board. Like, it almost does nothing good in the whole movie. Okay. And I felt bad because I'm watching it, and you see, like, the, the director's this lady who went from, like, intern all the way to, like, directing the last Freddy movie. And everyone loved her. And she's like, yeah, we, you know, saw Twin Peaks, and so we thought we could be, like, Twin Peaks. I was like, well, that was a fucking mistake. But you watch how hard they were trying and how they just fucking made every critical error. Right. And it was so funny to listen to them all tiptoe around. They're like, perhaps we went a little too far making him Bugs Bunny. Perhaps. And you're like, yeah, you you fucked up bad. Freddy's not fucking funny anymore. And one of the things that's running through the end of that documentary is they're like, well, we Freddy stopped being scary and just was too funny. This movie is trying that same balance, right? It's because I guess like an American parallel to this is seven. 
where you want this kind of charming, funny relationship between the two leads uh-huh. that can give it like a little fucking much needed, you know, gasp of like relief yeah. between these brutal murders. But this one is kind of the old cop style versus the new cop style in that butting of heads. Yeah. It feels like this could have tipped into into like the other guys pretty sure. quick. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I And it's actually incredible the tension they're able to maintain. I'd liken it to honestly, there's a thing that not many filmmakers can do, but there's to me there's only like really one that does that balance of like because it's unintentional comedy almost it's just funny because of the situation again that's why that's why this movie to me is funny like that cop humor is funny because of the situation only and it's uh scorsese like when i watch movies like Mm -hmm. goodfellas and casino the reason those moments are funny is because if you look at them like out of context like you think about in goodfellas the scene where after they fucking after they killed uh philly otardo and they have they go they go to tommy's house he asked to borrow that knife that is fucking hysterical and it's only oh. funny because yeah. it's like it shouldn't be funny that he's asking to borrow a knife to clearly stab someone to death david chase talked about that with sopranos as he's fucking like genius. we were so unprepared for how funny people thought it was the horrifying violence these guys were committing well, yeah like and there there is something to that and um what's his name song kang ho right i mm-hmm. had to pull up song the letterbox so i could try to get it right um just a fucking He's amazing. Like one of my He's favorite performances I, I've taken in this year. Yeah. It like it just there's always great performance. This one is so fucking fresh, man. It's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's kind of this tough old hard ass who like tortures people into fake confessions. Like there's just a whole segment of the movie where it's like they find the town dullard and they're like, Yeah, we're just gonna fucking torture him and beat him and put on booty so we can kick the shit out of him. Yeah. And in a way that you're like, he's done this hundreds of times just to fucking get someone off the street not actually worry that there's a real murderer on the street right you know he's banging like the town holistic healer and like taking his cues from her and she's a really bad detective we find out <laughs> but like he just goes from Again, this like hilarious. it's funny because he's like this tough guy but it's funny so it makes it like okay to watch yeah there's scenes where like he's karaokeing into like i'm gonna beat the shit out of this new guy and it's this this amazing balancing act that at the end comes to now I am a wide eyed, terrified spectator of a world that I thought I had a handle on. Yeah. And he, his like last fucking scene, the last scene of the movie is him staring right down the barrel at us, Mm -hmm. having memories of a murder he could not help solve or may have actually helped fucking muddle the waters weirdly that's the thing in his last shot i mean that's when you know that you're crushing it is like your the last shot of the movie is just you staring at an audience yeah and he he's so everyone else in the cast is good he's song kang ho is like whatever korean oscars are he should have won for this movie i wonder if he's won any i mean he's it's one of my favorite that the balancing act because his thing one of the things i love in the movie right and I'll let you talk because I've been talking for like fucking 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but I love the dynamic they set up, right? It's this old world versus new world. And so Song Kang Ho's character saying is you can't fucking fool my eyes, right? Right. That he sees it and he knows it, right? I love the kind of built-in biases of that, right? That he's writing what he wants to see or he's writing what he wants the world to be so it makes sense. Sure. Right. The new guy is like this new slick detective, right? He's like, I do real investigations. Yeah documents never lie and then at the end of course the document doesn't tell him what he wants he can't write the world he wants with just documentation and facts right Right. because sometimes things exist in this gray area what did you make of the you can't lie to my eyes or documents don't lie kind of collision course that these two detectives find themselves on throughout the movie as a kind of a transportation for the plot well i think that documents don't again like they're both fallacies. Like, first off, humans lie all the time, and yeah. documents lie all the time. People forge documents. They do all kinds of shit. Like, it's not outside the realm of possibility for it to be wrong. So, like, it's that both these men are um, both these men are flawed 
in their own particular way. But like what they're but they're flawed differently at the same. They're flawed in the way that they trust their own instincts essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that makes I mean to me that makes it makes a terrifying realization that they might be the shittiest cops ever because like <laughs> so many cops like my instincts are all I know. It's like yikes. Oh, he says that like eight times, like, you can't lie to my eyes. Yeah. And there's that scene when they have the jerker offer strung up. And they're, like, beating him and practicing him through his coerced confession. Yeah, yeah. They have him upside down, and they're like, yeah, we just got to get your signature on this. And the dude comes in, and he just feels his hand. He's like, it's not him. Let him go. And they're like, what? And they start brawling. Yeah. And I was like, they were literally, like, 30 seconds away from either getting or not getting this guy who's Definitely a creep. He's a criminal. Right. And he's just basing it on this one woman who's like, his hands were soft. All right. Soft is not a descriptive enough adjective for me. Like, I'm going to need to know a little more. Right. Right. Before I say yes or no. And the other guy's just fucking like, I've been working this fake confession for 30 hours. (laughs) And they just start brawling. And meanwhile, that scene is so powerful, I think, because they're fucking brawling. The chief comes in, the old man chief, and he's trying to whip their ass, too. Yeah. All of a sudden, they hear the fucking song on the radio. All of a sudden, he sticks his hand out, and it's raining. And then the next day, while they find the dead body, like, wasn't that the exact time you two were brawling? Yeah. That they're kind of, their I know best collision literally created the gap in justice. That practicality. Yeah, that, like, lack of practicality in it. There's a floaty in my camera. That lack of practicality in police work. Instead, like so much built on your intuition is like, you know, the fault in your stars. Like that's the real that's the real sadness of like, I mean, you know, and again, that's the political indictment. You're sitting there and you're like, wow, these guys who are supposed to be out protecting people literally didn't protect anybody. Yeah, I had forgotten about the through line of the war. Like there's a scene where they're like kind of suppressing like an uprising. It looks like. Yeah. And a detective fucking Sparta kick. Is just dragging a fucking victim through the street that he's going to go beat the shit out of to interrogate. And I was like, oh, I don't know that this I think this might be an American thing. I'd love your opinion. Did the war thing add anything to you? I I don't feel like it affected the narrative much for me. That feels like something like if you were Korean. You'd be like, oh, I understand that to me. Wars like when you have war as the background of sort of a like a plot a through plot for a movie i think it really like i'll give you like i just watched uh, the zone of interest uh jonathan glazer's mm-hmm. new movie and i really want to see that it's really it's the scariest movie i've ever watched in my life and absolutely nothing happens in it but it is terrifying because you know what's going on in the background the whole time and all you are doing is staying in this compound with the family that is right next to Auschwitz. So you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's the horror of not being able to see it, but knowing it. And it is like absolutely brilliant and it's terrifying. I think that that's the kind of like war in the background thing you have to do. I think it's very hard to do, like, unless the movie is expressly about the war, it's a war itself. It's very hard to do that and make it like work for yeah. your audience. But I agree, it also could be a cultural thing. I am not. You know, we just have a very different, we have a very different kind of well, understanding well, of war. Also in America, in war co- doesn't happen here. Exactly. Right? Well, like, that's what I was going to say. We make war everywhere we else. We pretty much ruin every other place, but we don't do a lot of war. <laughs> we export here. that shit. Yeah, like we, McDonald's and weapons. Yeah. 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 <laughs> McDonald's and war. We, that's Those are our main yeah. exports. Like, we're not. Yeah. We're not on. So it is just, dip- I mean, I guess you would say. The police have become this little militarized zone where they're going to break your freedoms. Right. Right. And get these fake confessions. That is parallel, it seems, to what the government's doing. Yeah. Okay. Now, both are entities meant to serve and protect, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're, we find out that who we think might be the killer served in the military. And that maybe something he did there sent him on this path. I think that's insane because... If you look at like if you've studied serial killers, like it's not joining the military that does that to you. Right. In fact, that might be the reason they join, neither here nor there. Right? The movie doesn't really put its foot down on that. 
There is one scene where the military thing is hyper effective. And I think maybe it's why the military thing is added, right? And it's when it we the... see the victim is choosing between yeah, the I holistic lady and the Band-Aid girl. Mm-hmm. And they're walking. And you see the detectives running helplessly like, no, it's raining the song. We know what's going to happen. Ah. Yeah. Or no, this is the night he changed his routine so it wasn't even raining. Mm-hmm. He, this this is a murder that happens outside of the normal habits, right? Right. But he's like, the guy could get off a couple stops before. Uh. And this guy's in the woods watching these two women deciding who he's going to get. He also, I don't think, whistles. So this could be a totally different murderer, period. That's something else you have to debate in the movie. Right. Kills him differently, too, with the knife. Neither here nor there. That's not the point I'm I, making. But so I, he yeah. drags this. There's a scene where... As the sirens are going off, the town has to start blacking out the lights, right? I guess you do that so you're not a target or they can see the bombers better, whatever the reasoning is. You turn off all the lights when the bomb sirens go. I've seen this in a couple movies. I don't know why that is a thing. Neither here nor there. He's carrying this woman like she's a fucking hockey duffel bag. It looked like the poster for Hutch, if you remember that movie, (laughs) right? He's carrying this woman like a fucking duffel bag out to he's laying his tools out while she watches in the background in the valley you start seeing the lights go off in the whole town as he's about to proceed with his murderous ways the the scene cuts to black before we see anything and then the next day we just have all of these fucking citizens standing around looking at the carnage right which to me was a very striking kind of microcosm image to explain this larger scale, like the horror of war. Right. I don't know. So in that, that scene, I was me. like, I mean, that kind of like, made sense to that me. That is, I think that's probably the extent of it. Like that's the most effective. Just the, the mass devaluation of life. Yeah. I'd say like, that's the, that's like okay. the effective visual for it. Cause you know, when you like, like think about it, is it better in a movie to have a scene like that to explain what's going on or to have a scene where someone's like, how about that war going on outside? Like, yeah, it's just, no, yeah. that that's great cinema. Is you just show us something right. that we feel on a I think like visual, deep level, and it explains everything yeah, above it. That visual impact explains everything you need to know about whatever. Like, again, we're not in Korea, so we don't have the understanding of what the political atmosphere is, the conflict. But that visual alone gives you all the information you need. That's- well, there are just things culturally like we see movie scenes, right, where it's, you know, young African-American teenagers and a cop's approaching. Right. As American audiences, we are steeped in that culturally and it's in our cinematic language so yeah, often. Absolutely. That you get that immediate extra emotional response. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Right. You just there are things culturally that will resonate differently. I thought it was kind of an odd choice. I was just. On a production level, I was like, why add all that to your budget? <laughs> and again, I don't know if that was just like, hey, uh, Detective Spartakick, run through an actual like think it was- military exercise and see if that happens. And there's another thing in the movie they kind of talk about, which is um, the, the old school detectives like Korea is the size of my dick. He's like, in America, they need the FBI and they need knowledge and science because their land is so big. He said, Korea's the size of my dick. A man can get across it with just his legs and his intuition. Yeah. That's why you need folk knowledge. See, and that's like. <laughs> that's a cultural difference, man. But like, it's a cultural difference. It's funny you bring that up because it's a cultural difference. But my thought was, is that part of like what we're talking about with Song Kang Ho's character in general, which is like the him and the other guy are doing this like cop bit. Where it's like, yeah. oh, my intuition takes me so much further than any technology ever could. And you're like, That's Well, I think with the cops too is true. there's this yeah, do you have time to slow down and reassess? Yeah. Like very few of us are Neil Pert and Rush, where you just take three years off on a motorcycle and you're like, I'm gonna completely relearn how to play the drums from square one and still be awesome. Right. Like I'm betting most detectives don't have time to like, you know, I'm gonna stop trusting my gut and my eyes. Well, and I'm going to like go back to like forensic school. Well, and I think that's like their because justice is always being broken here. Right. So, yeah, I don't it, it's kind of an indictment on them, but also it's it's just kind of this like this. Fuck. I don't, 
I don't know. But, it's such but a even in the beginning, movie, like when they I start, think the other thing I so... love the movie never takes a fucking stance on anything. Well, I think the movie again. Bong Joon Ho does such a good job of making a movie that feels like it's taking a lot of. Feels like it's it's standing up for a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, what it's real the movie really is just about like. The movie is just about like. <clears throat> Murder, for one. Like, murder is terrible. <laughs> That's an integral part, yeah. Integral part. Murder is terrible, obviously. But then the other thing about it is, like, your perception, these guys particularly, these these characters' perception of what justice is, essentially, mm-hmm. is so flawed. It's pretty fascinating, really, when you think about it. Like, to just be... Like to beat a, a fake confession out of somebody is just like that's again like we're in America. We're- like the local town, like I don't know what they actually diagnose him with. What the, I think that's He's what kind resonates. of a, a slow, like mentally challenged guy. Well, you think and about they're, they're, the start of the movie is they're like, we'll just beat the shit out of him and put him in jail, right. and that'll fix the problem. Exactly, knowing that's, that there will be more dead bodies. That's that's <laughs> exactly like this is exactly like I think this is the thing that's like a universal truth about it and i think this is the thing that i like the most about the movie is you don't need to be from anywhere to know that imprisoning someone wrongfully just because it seems like the right thing to do that will get the general public happy about the fact that Mm. that's fucking wrong like again i cannot stress enough like that to me is probably the thing that makes it so palatable Mm. and masterful for an entire generation of film watchers is that the movie is about the wrong like the movie is about being wrong. It's weird. But the movie is yeah, literally that's about a great being way wrong. to put it it reminds me of that comedian who did a bit and he's like, You ever just looked around, realized that we humans designed everything and that everything sucks? <laughs> it's like, that comedian just I can't remember how he phrased it, but I was like, Yeah, he's like, Why does everything in our life like the shittiest version of that? Like, why do all our governments suck? Why do taxes? Like, everything is, like, the hardest, most shitty version of how to do things. And it's because that's what we do. And being wrong is a great kind of thematic lens to put on this, right? Is that... Because there's definitely an abuse of power narrative. But then there is a... Who else are we going to have that's going to save us from these monsters that aren't playing in society? Mm -hmm. So being abused from the outsider which inherently makes the people in power feel like they're more justified to go that extra mile. Yeah. Right? And then it it's just always kind of this... And that's why I mean. The movie definitely doesn't say murder is good or anything like that, but it, it just no. kind of refuses to take I stands. Is, but and I what like, I think I meant by that is it doesn't give us a, here is what they should have done. Yeah. There is no easy answer coming for any of this. Mm-hmm. And to me, the memory of murder if you think about what the title means, is it's just human history. Right. It's just a long look back at all of this fucking tragedy that we are so helpless to stop and prevent. Yeah. And that even had we prevented it, right? Like, let's say, because the movie asked an interesting question at the end. I'd love to hear your thoughts on. So he is about to murder this dude, right? He's mad that the FBI files don't back it up. Yeah, After yeah, he file, sees Band-Aid Girl, they send all there's this that stuff, great shot where he peels the Band-Aid that he put on her, and he kind of covers up the girl because yeah. he remembered she was shy, right? And he's like, I'm going to go fuck this dude up and kill him now. Mm-hmm. All right, he's about to do it. The guy gives him a fake confession that he's beating out of him, and he's like, all right, I killed him all. Is that what you want to hear? Because he's running into that dark tunnel, right? Shots fired. He doesn't go down. But the guy pulled the bullet. He was willing to do it. His partner kind of stops him. He looks at him with his eyes, and he's like, fuck, I don't know. Which is like one of my favorite moments in the whole uh, fucking movie. One of the great moments in the I don't movies. fucking know. Yeah. Right? For the first time in the movie, he doesn't fucking know. Great. And the killer just slinks off into the dark. And then we do this time jump to his new life as a fucking juicer salesman. The movie <laughs> never tells us if these fucking murders continue. Or if they do, do these guys still follow up on it? Do they? Because you're expecting an American epilogue where it's like, oh, and then I found this piece of evidence 18 years later, or oh, I got the DNA results finally, the testing's improved. Yeah, one of those moments where we get an answer. They just act like this guy has to go on and be a parent and yell at his son about video games. 
never having gotten an answer to this. Right. Knowing full well that every time it rains, someone in red may also be getting killed. Mm-hmm. What did you make of this? The evil slithers back into the dark, or not even evil, maybe innocent. You're talking about the like the the scene, but the the trains the, the trains deep right. This kind right? this kind of ending theory of just this this omnipresence right. of it, not the actual. And the ending. fact You're that talking like, about, like this is where you... Seven is very American. Yeah. And we want well, our big what's in the box. It's this funny, movie doesn't do any of it's that. It's funny you say that because I this the ending actually reminded me a lot of Seven just because of the way because yeah. so starting with so he's beating this guy senseless in the senseless in the rain. I gotta say I did just like laugh hysterically when uh, <laughs> Song Kang Ho like runs in with paperwork. It's like wait I've got it right here and I'm like that is fucking hilarious well because you're expecting it to be the he did it don't kill him we'll get him with justice well again it's just like the and idea it's actually of- like super impactful when those papers say nope oh no it's great I'm not saying it I'm saying just like from a like yeah, prop it's bit. way lamer than what's in the box for sure from a prop bit, it was like, what's really? in the manila envelope? Well, like, How many that, brads are in it? That's what's so funny is like, can you imagine like an American, like an American film, like an American studio exec be like, he's just running with paperwork. What am I going to do with that? This motherfucker's going to stop whipping ass to read? To read? No, I don't think so. So, yeah, but yeah, I, but that moment when like both of them are just because it's inconclusive like the document says like we have no there's no conclusive evidence that says it's this person he's like holy shit like not even the and then he's like it doesn't fucking matter not even the not even the overtly imperial like justice comes first americans are willing to say that someone is just the guy for sure yeah they're not even willing Well, ask yourself this right because here's a great moment he looks at me he's like are you human and you're like, yeah, these people are fucking hyperhuman, right? Yeah. Like serial killers are hyperhuman and that you strip out empathy, right? right? Which is what everyone thinks humans are. It's like, well, we have the compassion for empathy and not to kill. That's what makes us right. human. I- and I was like, no, what humans really are, right? What really separates us from the animal is that we've all made a handshake agreement that we can fuck the shit out of a ton of us. Yeah. Because we'll be okay. We've right? all made what humans this... really are is that I have appetites and a need for consumption, whatever that may be. We've all made Pussy, this handshake drugs, money, and whatever. And if you fucking destroy a whole country in the third world, mm-hmm. that's okay as long as it's over there and I get a fucking binge watch Netflix some more. So that's what. So so serial killers are hyperhumans because right. they strip out the thing that we're supposed to separate us, and they're like, I'm just here to feed. Right. So right. They really are to here to point, thrive though, off the system we made. <laughs> But I think so. Like the thing that makes the ending like probably one of the most spectacular endings ever. So yeah, he's what is that? What he does is a juicer salesman. I never really figured yeah. it. Okay, so he had like juicer boxes, juicer eight thousand. So he's whatever. just a salesman now. But he's he takes a long he takes a walk along this dirt road again, and again, like it's one of those really haunting moments because you realize like no one was ever going to solve this crime. Right. Not even the well, best. Then the girl detectives. says another guy came another back guy came and back. sat there too, and you had to ask yourself which of the two handsome guys was it. Right. So, but that's the thing is the thing was she because she did say she's just he's just a guy he doesn't have any like doesn't, he's like ordinary. what did he look like he's like normal ordinary yeah. like the moment where you realize that you your intuition has failed you because when again like there are like fifteen things happening when he dead eyes into the camera you're just like oh my god this guy realizes like not only was he maybe he was not a great detective maybe his intuition failed him did he know did he see that that one (laughs) but like i think even more to the point is like did he actually see this person and just didn't you know finger him because he's like i can't i don't have that i'm not Yeah. yeah phrasing i know i know what i said um but it is just this really impactful moment because there is no way to know because not necessarily you're the world's worst detective, but there's, you're just not the detective you thought you were. You're not, you're not the person you thought you were. Right. It's well, I think that's the kind of brilliance of the argue human. He was ordinary. These kind of movies that we never get the, like, like John Doe is a movie monster. Yeah. Right. This like neurotic building these contraptions, writing, 
a lot of people talk about seven like that's scary because it's human i was like that's not no he's like, like a guy a, you'll find yeah he's like a and he's, he's he's so perfect he becomes like a, a batman villain in a way yeah, well exactly right that, it's, it's the this it, movie's saying there's no answer like that right Right. Evil could be any of us, right? Evil could be these cops who we've watched breaking the law. Right. That guy's about to commit a murder, and we're going to watch it, the detective. This guy might be innocent. Yeah. So I love that idea of just a normal man who may or may not slinking into the dark. And at the end, when we're watching the detective rewatch the movie, but with this fucking like look of horror, Yeah. as he saw this, right? These, these moments come back. Like One of the best scenes in the movie... Is when they go chase down the the slow guy, the mentally slow guy, right? Um, this disabled guy, another good one, yeah. And Detective Sparta Kick's been kicked down the stairs, <laughs> Sparta Kick, right? He sees on the TV that another detective is going to jail for torture and coercion, which he's definitely been doing on the reg, right? Starts a brawl in the restaurant. The slow guy defends himself by hitting him in the fucking knee with the nail. He goes off running. Because the detectives in their fight realized that the fake confession they had coerced out of him, had they actually been listening to him rather than coercing him and beating him, this is their fucking witness. Yeah. Right? The movie doesn't stop and ask or explain to us as Americans, would Korean audiences be progressive enough to listen to this guy as a key witness right. and not look at the boot marks imprinted on his face forever? And think he was another cudgel of the state. Right. But would they know? And when they, they show him, they follow him, right? As he's like, yeah, I saw it all. I saw how she was killed and she spasmed. He takes them there. They show him the picture of the, the pretty boy. And he fucking freaks out. And we can't tell if they, because this is the fight. These students run up. It starts with a chaotic brawl. And he runs up to the train tracks. And we don't know if he wants to hurt himself. If he's just having an episode, right? Like whatever has triggered him is sending him down this like mentally unhealthy place. And the detective sits there with actual literal blood on his hands. As yep. this guy gets splattered, his one eyewitness that he had abused the shit out of twice. Well, more than twice, like for like a week, it feels like yep. right. Whose dad yelled at him. He's innocent. And there's that great scene where they're fighting in the field as they do this staged fucking reenactment for the media. You think back on all of these fucking missed opportunities, these fucking failures of the system because he's an outsider, because he's differently abled, right? Because no one can protect him. No one wants to protect him. That they fucking lost precious time and possibly the key witness. Yeah. And when he's standing there with the blood on his hands, I was like, that's another one of those, like, that's fucking A-list movie actor shit. Mm-hmm. Is that that moment. I just... And so there is this constant... The monster's face appears in a glint in all yeah. of us, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting, too, because I think so often when we watch Korean films as Americans, we think it's there's a lot more. Because we've watched so many, you know, Park Chan-wok has the, um, you know, Vengeance trilogy. Like, there's all these, like, really, it's a really specific thing about, like, internal struggle and internal... um you know, internalizing that conflict to make it palatable for yourself and like, you know, revenge, like revenge is a very important aspect and like probably the more popular uh, Korean films that Americans like to watch. What's fascinating about Memories of Murder is that this is essentially like a reverse police procedural where the police don't do any procedure and pay the price for it. And it's very strange because you are just left with this sense of holy shit. Like this is a movie that like American audiences would love. Cause it's like, it's like I, 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 I recently, I watched Copland sort of the same vibe where you're just like, Oh wow. What's the right thing to do? Is your cop's intuition going to be the thing? Or do you protect your people? Do you just let the thing go? Like these really specific moral quandaries that we have as Americans exist all over the fucking world. Again, I, this is why I love watching Korean films because Korean films have so much better, have such a much more progressive and better handle on what are like what morality, like morality tales should be. And they're not right. just empirically like, 
well, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Like there are these. That's like, where you lose. So that's good. where you lose it because we have a real streak of American audiences that don't want to question the system. Yeah, you can't question cops. You can't question your country. You have to be a patriot. So those guys are always right. And you're like, that is bullshit. Verifiably, by the numbers, not true. Not true. Right? Like, there's just no way that everyone who's a cop and everyone in government's doing a good job or is honest and not crazy. George, like, there's there's just no fucking no, possible way that's true. Lo- there's real life. There's no way that every that. school teacher is good, right? There's Agreed. no way that yeah. every political activist is good. There's no way that you know every yeah. I think bus that, driver like that's just a, a silly thing. And we the, we do not like the open ended no the evil. We don't like to walk out of the theater and be like. Wait, are we not stuff. doing a good job? Right. Like I think I'm doing a good job. Everyone else is. What Bong Joon Ho <laughs> does in this movie better than any other movie is live in that gray area and give you moral give you moral quandaries within the gray area, which is mm-hmm. expert filmmaking, like unbelievable yeah. storytelling to a point where you're yeah. like, how does anybody watch this movie and not come away with it being like, that's fucking brilliant. He does this again in Parasite. It's just economically pointed. Yeah, economics and stuff. I still think that Parasite kind of loses it at the end because it's like it's a weird once, ending. Once you're living in their house and you start doing murders and shit, like the scale of who was right and wrong has tipped unavoidably. Right. Like I think that's yeah. Again, you could be mad at this guy who's seemingly like a nice, normal guy who's just trying to get fucking laid on his couch and make money and. You can hate him for being rich yeah, and existing course. in a system where he's rich, but once you start murders, that's a you problem. Yeah, like that's it. That's a thing you've that like you've done. That's neither that, here nor there. But that you yeah. like when you start actual murder, like when you when you see characters murdering people on camera, like okay, cool. There's now a defined morality, which is like because you know we've all agreed in polite society, like you were saying, like yeah. killing each other is not great, like. We shouldn't be doing that. It's right. not necessarily justifiable in a lot of cases. I've had so. this parasite argument a ton when that movie was like running up to the Oscar. And I was like, I love the movie. It's a great movie. But I was like, the movie makes this equivalency that the rich are the evil. And I was like, I think people are misreading. And I don't think that's Bong Jung Ho's impression. Also because he's a rich as fuck Korean dude. Like he's rich <laughs> as fuck too. So he probably wasn't just being like, come murder us. Yeah. But I think people inherently misread it, that it's a right and wrong story. And I think this one is a key that when I watched, when I thought about this movie in the context of Parasite too, is I was like, one of those lines was, yeah, he starts actually murdering people. It's his fault. He yeah. gets his family into this life of crime. And yes, I know. Because that's someone once asked me, they're like, who's the parasites in that movie? And I was like, it's the, it's the poor family. And they're like, no, no, it's the rich. And I was like, no it's not if a whale tried to fucking live off of one of those tiny fish on its side it would starve to death right like inherently they might be parasites of the system but the movie doesn't get in neither i'm not here to relitigate fucking parasite i've had a lot of debates about but i think american audiences baseline misunderstand that movie because of that moment of demarcation at the end Yeah. yeah sure right and i think it's a much wider broader kind of I, and again, I think the never telling us what is the key to unlocking yeah. the questions. I think just giving us interesting questions and saying, now you... Like, this movie tells us for a fact that murder's bad. Yeah. That police but coercion that, is bad and ineffective. But it doesn't tell us that there's a way these guys could have... Like, right. that had it they not done coercion... There's not some... So, the, it doesn't it just hand solved. out the solution for the yeah. movie. Like, I think that that's, like, the really clever and smart thing about the movie is that you leave the theater to have the discussion. I, I, I think that that is like such a key element of any movie that I actually enjoy, is you leave the movie wanting to have that conversation with the person you go see the movie with. Right. Right. Yeah, it's... I, I love the ambiguity of his movies, right? Again, Parasite. Yes, do we feed off the poor in a society? Yes. Do yeah. we feed off the rich in a society? Yes. Now let's put that together and play that out in a way. And then just kind of feel like every you want everyone to be okay, but you know they can't. That's how this movie is, right? You're like, I want both of these detectives to be right, but I know they can't be. Like, the movie's setting it up to where they cannot both be correct. 
Right. And then about halfway in, you go, oh, no, neither of them is going to be correct. That's the movie. Yeah. That's the world. That's why it's memory of a murder and not the time I busted a punk-ass murderer. I got someone on a murder. Not the time I dunked on a rapist. Yeah, it's called memory (laughs) of a murder. Right? A haunting memory of a murder. You brought this up earlier. I want to tell you. Um, Song Kang Ho won like almost every single award the year this movie came out for best actor. Yeah, of course he did. He won, of course he did. He won the Chunsa Film Art Awards. He won best actor at the Grand Bell Awards. He won best actor at the Korean Film Awards, and he won best actor at the Director's Cut Awards. Like nice, literally every Korean film award you can have, he got that year. He should, and I mean that's the thing. This movie is just this like wonderful blend like the scene when that lady's walking and she hears the whistle and you see the fucking head in the back yeah it sinks into the reeds come on man then he like runs out of the i mean there are masterfully directed visual kind of horror sequences next level the 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 ethical debates the fucking comedy it just it really crushes everything there are moments like one of the things the movie does that's so fucking devastating, and I think it's it's where it finds its balance, is we'll do these kind of funny debates between cops. Then we'll see a horrifying murderer, rapist, like hunting someone down. Then we come back to these characters looking at a lifeless young woman. Because I was telling my wife watching it, and she's like, God, what's going on in there? Because I was just like shuddering. I was like, Ugh! And I was like, just imagine you live your whole life. You're someone's kid. You're a school teacher, right? Whatever you do, right? You are, you're a waitress at a restaurant who wants to be an artist. You're trying to find love, right? You're in, in the mood for love. You're trying to find love. You're doing quirky like I only like American songs and too many fish in a tank. And one day someone just fucking wraps your pantyhose around your throat. And then someone the next day finds you naked, mutilated, and raped like the 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 indignation of what this guy's doing to these women and their bodies, right? This kind of total desecration of this entire idea of who they were, dehumanizing them to such a point. But when we see their faces in the autopsy, all I see is the human. All I see is the broken bridge to the potential of the rest of the life. In those moments fucking hit so hard in this yeah, movie. Absolutely. Without trying to be like you know, titillating or, you know, like, wow, look how, oh, wow, we're showing a dead body. It's just this, you look at the frozen faces of horror and you imagine this, what this, this kind of shit is taking away from them in the world. And I think in those moments of pause, like that final one with the Band-Aid girl is, the way they shoot that is just fucking it's pretty devastating. Yeah. Because we go from the interrogation room, which is a master class in eyeline, just cutting to like the eyes and this and that and the light. And we're bouncing around that interrogation room fast because we feel like we're on the verge of answers. Yeah. And then them just slowly walking through the rain and slowly taking in this girl's face. The Band-Aid no longer matters. We cover her body to try to give her back some humanity. You're just like, this is like the work of a master. Yeah, that's masterful. Like, it, it is the work of a master. And it's it's just a fucking incredible film, man. Yeah. It's an incredible film. I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch Parasite because I just – I want more of his work now. Yeah. I think I'm it's just, just going to – Those two movies do. are just fucking phenomenal. Unbelievable. And honestly, I think this one's just more in my wheelhouse. I just – I like this one. It's good. I like this one more. That's if okay. I'm being honest. It's not a bad thing. You can like movies. It's all good. Well, no, that's like, do I want a blowjob or a blowjob from two people at once? They're both awesome. That's The second one seems more complicated. See, that's what I mean. Pick your poison. Some people don't want the two mouths. Some people do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's the parasites <laughs> versus... <laughs> wow. I, I feel like the parasite guy I needs the more mouths. Get from, I didn't think we'd get to the, like, you know, the, the credit... Of Korean cinema to blowjobs in this one conversation. Well, Alex, if I've learned something from doing this show again this year, that's the pod. That's exactly where we. That's were exactly this pod. <laughs> Actually, I did like tell Bong Joon Ho's. I did tell look someone at the inevitability of crime and abuse. 
Murder, Someone, capitalism. A coworker was texting do. me about a coworker was texting me about a tr- uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm like, you should listen to our pod about Willy Wonka. She's like, really? I'm like, I'll give you a poll quote. Charlie is constantly being human centipeding, centipeded by life. Yes, and like, that is that's our show in a nutshell. We it. look back now, Alex, on all that we have done this year. So many episodes. We did a ton of episodes this we year. Did a lot of work this year. Uh, we did an entire damn dirty April. Which where was we did awesome. the entire Planet of the Apes franchise. Mm-hmm. We've done another stocking stuffer season. Thank you to all Crystal. Thank you for this Love amazing you, thank pick. You. Thank you to all of our uh, patrons for helping us do that. We survived another October mega marathon. Thirty-one days, thirty-one pods. So much incredible stuff this year. Uh, we will now kind of mentally reboot. We will try to figure out what happens next year. What's to come. Um, but more than looking forward, when I look back, I think it was another awesome year. And I'm super thankful for all of you guys. I hope you had happy holidays. I hope uh, you enjoyed this year in your own life. And I hope that you are also looking forward to uh, finding the strength to trudge forward another year. And, and hey, man, make it better than this year. So I wish that for all of our listeners. I just want to keep making this show and I want to keep making you guys happy. I appreciate everything yeah. you do for us, and I appreciate all the fun you bring us. Thank you. I hope this episode was good. We're kind of getting to that point of frazzled at the end of the year. We're like, I don't even know what we're saying anymore. We're just out here fucking. We're I'm just going from the where, heart. We're a raw nerve, dude. I'm at the point where I'm surprised these take so long, especially when they're good movies where we don't just do good movie, right? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to go. Bye. So. <laughs> Whenever we this, get to do- This was an except, like... This is like one of the best movies we've I ever think this covered. Might be one of the, the best movies we've land, we've ended the year on. I'll say that. Yeah. That's so, true. That's thank true. you, Crystal. All Good right, call. guys. Happiest of New Year's to all of you. Uh, stay you. safe out there, as always. To my fellow drinkers, stay safe out there. Be smart. Get the Uber. Get the cab or walk. Don't be a fucking risk taker on New Year's Eve. Nope. We want you back as we start our New Year's resolution pods in January with the running man. We're going to get in shape. (laughs) We're doing the running man to start next year. So just what a great bookend we have. Um, For the film alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Tiafino.